Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This weekly radio program is brought to you by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We now invite you to stay tuned for our message this morning. I welcome you today to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. I'm Elder Joe Nettles, and I'm pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, located at 40283 Wolf Road near Caledonia, Mississippi. And I also welcome you on behalf of my partner in this ministry and one of my bestest, bestie friends, Elder David Wise, who is the good and learned pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, located at 11 Staten Road near Ackerman, Mississippi. We invite you to come and visit our churches, 10.30 a.m. every Sunday morning. We also meet together uh, away from our respective church houses uh, at the La Quinta Inn Conference Room every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. We have an abbreviated song service, prayer, preach message, and then we break bread together and fellowship together. That's 6 p.m. every Wednesday at the La Quinta Inn Conference Room in Starkville, Mississippi, not far from the Mississippi State University campus. And we invite you and encourage you to come and visit with us. Now, if you can't be with us in person, and we understand COVID restrictions and whatnot, you're welcome to join us via live stream. Go to Facebook, to the Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church Facebook page, hit like, activate the notifications, and it will let you know every time we begin our in our live uh, streaming worship. That's 6 p.m. every Wednesday evening, and also from our meeting house in Caledonia, 10.30 a.m. every Sunday morning. We invite you to join us by that uh, media. We also encourage you to download the Grace Alone Radio uh, internet app, which is internet radio, uh, 24-7, primitive Baptist doctrine, preaching, uh, acapella singing, uh, scripture reading, and, and content. And we heartily encourage you. It's free for either an Apple or an Android device. Download it and enjoy it. We also want you to visit our website that services uh, the listeners of this broadcast, gospel-of-grace.com. You'll find out more about Macedonia Church and Sulphur Springs Church. There are church locators there if you want to visit one in your area. Uh, there are also frequently asked questions, archived messages, uh, just a, a great resource. And we encourage you to go to gospel-of-grace.com and visit us there. You can also contact us via that website. We would be just as happy as a hog in the sunshine to hear from you. Uh, so after this precious hymn, today we'll bring for you the first of a series of messages about those things commonly known by all of mankind. And after this hymn, we'll be right back with today's message.
Welcome once again, listening friends, to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. I'm Elder Joe Nettles, and I welcome you. Today on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, I'd like to begin looking into those things that are common to all of mankind, whether born again or not. By that, I mean the hallmarks of being created after the image of God. Though marred by the fall and sin in Adam, yet still intact as an integral part of the being of man. Now, if you've recently listened to the broadcast, I've delivered a message to you titled, Things Too Great, dealing with the inescapable impression in all of mankind of our inability to comprehend, much less exert any appreciable control over this universe. Yes, my friends, even the most vocal so-called atheist in this world is to some extent aware that control over this vast and hostile world is superintended by no man or entity of man, like governments, organizations, armies, or mindsets. In a spiritually regenerated, that means a born-again state, we are restored that peace possessed by Adam prior to the fall that there is the Almighty who is able to see, know, and superintend this existence in which we live. In stark contrast, though, we see the same dreaded, I'm sorry, dreadful realization in the wicked, but lacking any of the reverential awe and respect for such a God. As I taught before in that message, that leads the wicked natural man to spend his life striving to find diversions, like fame, entertainment, drugs, alcohol, risky behavior, etc., etc., all for the goal of trying to prove himself as having some measure of control over this universe. Truly, as David wrote in olden times in Psalm 14, verse 1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. And again, he wrote in Psalm 2 verse 1, why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? If you haven't heard the message, things too great yet, I encourage you to visit gospelofgrace.com where you'll find it listed among recent broadcasts. Today, let us turn our attention to Romans chapter 1 and we'll read verses 18 through 20. For the wrath of man is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. That word hold the truth in unrighteousness means to suppress it, to hold it down, to wrestle it down, to subdue it. Who hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. This passage describes some things that even spiritually unenlightened man knows because being a creation after the image of God, he has that awareness ingrained in his soul. God has revealed it unto all of mankind. Therefore, there is no excuse for living, thinking, and speaking the way that the wicked do. In doing such wicked things, they prove the utter depravity of man's fallen nature, and that because of that nature, they are worthy to be in torment according to the righteous judgment of God. Again, the knowledge is there, but it's corrupted by the filth of sin. From verse 20, the first thing listed as understood by the things that are made is the eternal power of God. 
And that's what I want to look at today, the eternal power of God. There are all kinds of powers in this world, but none like eternal power. Eternal power trumps all others because all other powers are temporal and can only affect time, space, and matter. However, eternal power is power that reaches past what mortal men are able to measure, quantify, handle, taste, see, or even describe. Common sense. Well, I guess you could identify common sense as that which is, quote, understood by the things that are made, unquote demands the existence of eternal power. I repeat that. Common sense demands the existence of eternal power. How? Well, the most fundamental notion to our minds is that man can't derive a something from a nothing. It's never been done and never will be done by men. It's never been observed by science or by the anecdotal experience of men. Every bit of matter that exists is a something. And the default existential question remains, where did it come from? You see, the same existential question is applicable to not just matter, but also to space and time. Time is a thing. From where did it come? What was there before it? As counterintuitive as it seems to label vacuous nothingness as a something, yet it applies all the same to space. Space is a something. It exists around us and we dwell within it. What we call empty space is still a concrete reality, one which drives mankind to search out its origin. Just as necessity is the mother of invention, my friends, common existential curiosity is the mother of all science. The mind of man has always driven him to explore the who's, what's, when, where, and why's of the universe. In contemplating these questions, he has always known regardless of whether his obstinate, God-hating mind will admit having that knowledge or not, that all things have an origin. In addition to that, he has always known that mankind can't replicate true genesis or bring forth something from nothing. Can't be done. Though common sense carries some weight, however, we don't have to just rely on it to confirm the validity of our inborn knowledge of eternal power. We also have science. In 1916, Albert Einstein published his theory of general relativity, which predicted the effects of gravity on space and time. Now, you go forward just a few years to 1919, and Sir Arthur Eddington, from an observatory in Brazil, while observing a solar eclipse, he verified and proved Einstein's predictions. The assumption that these eminent scientists came to was that the universe is not static. And by static, I mean fixed, unchangeable, and eternal. That's what the assumption was up to that point, that you know God is not eternal. There's no need for God because the universe was eternal. But they proved that the universe is not static, but it is in motion, either in a state of stretching or contraction, either getting bigger or smaller. Well, then, in 1929, Edwin Hubble, who is the namesake of the Hubble telescope, he made an earth-shaking discovery. While using the massive telescope at the Mount Wilson Observatory in Los Angeles, he confirmed that all of the observed distant galaxies were, in fact, rushing away from ours, which verified that the universe is in a state of expansion, not contraction. 
This discovery demanded the acknowledgement that if the universe is expanding in all directions, then there must have been an original point from which the expansion began. It's like when bomb investigators follow outlying shrapnel and debris back to the point where the bomb was when it detonated. All these findings prove that the universe had a genesis and was not eternal, or just always here, as so many people thought. Consequently, everything contained in this universe, and that being time, space, and matter, began with that genesis. While this led astronomers and physicists to the Big Bang Theory to try to explain this origin, Christians and Jews have never been plagued with such difficulties as we have the biblical account of Genesis, which described this common sense and scientific reality thousands of years before Einstein, Eddington, and Hubble. Notice Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. No one verse could describe more, my friends. In this opening verse of the Bible, you have time, space, and matter created together. In the beginning, notice the beginning, that is time. God created the heaven, that is space, and the earth, that is matter. What many in the scientific establishment call the Big Bang, we have always known as Genesis 1 and 1. Some have resisted this account of creation in the Bible by saying that biblical creationists tout a static universe, created as one size and just plunked down in one place, like setting a coffee cup on a tabletop. However, they got that notion from outside the Bible, certainly not from its inerrant pages. The Bible also describes an expanding universe, similar to the aforementioned more recent discoveries. I read from you a few verses of Scripture. In Isaiah chapter 40, verses 21 through 22, we read, Have you not known? Have you not heard? Hath it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers, that stretcheth out, notice that wording, that stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain, and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in. See, the word is using stretching language, expanding language, to describe the creation of this universe. Again, go to Job chapter 26, verse 7. Again, a description of creation. He, meaning God, stretcheth out the north over the empty place and hangeth the earth upon nothing. That's exactly what is described, not only by your intuition, but by also science. That there was nothing, but God made something, and he stretched that something out over the empty place. I go again to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 44, verse 24. Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee from the womb, I am the Lord that maketh all things. Notice this, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, that spreadeth abroad the earth by myself. One more time, again in Zechariah chapter 12, verse 1. The burden of the word of the Lord for Israel saith the Lord, which stretcheth forth the heavens and layeth the foundation of the earth and formeth the spirit of man within him. 
As you can see, the biblical description of the heavens is one of dynamic, stretching expansion, hardly of some static plunking down. As explained earlier, this expansion necessitates that it had a creation point brought forth from an existence outside of time, space, and matter. That, my listening friends, is the eternal power of God. Amen. Well, if it is an integrated instinct, as well as a scientific finding, then why can't mankind appreciate it? Why do so many rage against this harmony between science and scripture? It is because the instinct is now, since the fall, enveloped in a perverted soul, and the knowledge is contained in a rebellious, fallen, wicked mind. You see, as man was created after the image of our creator and dwelt with God in harmony while he stood in holiness, conversely, the fallen man is driven to shun his God and to do all he can to deny his creator. It's kind of like a rebellious, thankless child who despises his family name and resemblance. Wicked man's rage is expressed aptly in Psalms 2, verses 1 through 3. Again, why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. You see, wicked natural man does not want the acknowledgement of the creator God. He can't deny it. He can't deny it in his, uh, my friend, mind. He can't deny it in his mind. Problem is, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. It's a heart problem. This silly, obstinate behavior is also found described in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. And I, and I read, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. What is this willful ignorance under consideration in Peter's passage here? According to the inspired Peter, them seeing ample evidence of the creator that he is powerful beyond all our comprehension, even setting the stars and sun in the sky, causing the earth and moon to rotate with such precision that timepieces are set by them, yet they are perfectly willing to ignore his existence and authority. Despite all their existential instincts leading their minds to the realization of eternal power, their corrupt hearts and souls compel them to deny, deny, deny. Even faced with the evidences and instincts that the Creator meets out judgment from above upon the wicked, as he did in the flood of Noah described by Peter, yet they willfully ignore that Lord. Thankfully, dear listeners, he has redeemed a throng of folks called the elect family of God, in whom, by way of the new birth, he has restored that appreciation and awe of his immense eternal power. For the regenerated or born-again man, 
He no longer knows, gets enraged, and ignores. But through the grace and mercy of the Lord, this man now knows, gets amazed, and adores. Did you catch that? From one who knows, gets enraged, and ignores. Now he knows, gets amazed, and adores. That's me, my friends. See, a person who is indwelled by the Holy Spirit can cry in amazement with David from Psalms 8, verses 1 through 4. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. See, he supersedes and superintends this universe, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him. And that same man, he cries out in rejoicing and uh, exclaiming the, the great glories of the Lord, that same man can also rejoice with David later on in that same psalm in verse nine when he says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. When actually able in the afterlife to experience timelessness, think about that. When we're able in the afterlife to experience true timelessness, the state of the Almighty which to us in time is just an inconceivable concept, only able to be experienced by the supernatural. When we experience that, won't we marvel and rejoice? I mean, what power is possessed by one dwelling in timelessness, yet he can also create time and can dwell in both? Wow. I mean, all I can say is that such a being is wonderful beyond all measure. However, consider the reaction of the wicked rich man in the afterlife as recorded in Luke chapter 16. Even looking up from hell in a justly tormented state, being clearly able at that point to see the disparity between himself and the almighty holy God, able to experience, albeit painfully, a state where time, space, and matter hold no bearing over him, he did not at all marvel at the eternal self-existent Lord. To the contrary, he never even acknowledged God once in that account. You can go and read it for yourself. But he made selfish cries to Abraham, never mentioned in glory the name of the Lord. Oh, but friends, are you compelled today to rejoice in the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end? I speak to you today as one who rejoices as David did in Psalms 90 verses 1 through 2. Lord, Thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. You know what? That's eternal power. And I praise the Lord for it. Even from everlasting to everlasting, thou alone art God. I am so thankful to now be changed by the Spirit so that I can heartily amen the Apostle Paul's doxology from Romans 11. In verses 33 through 36, he proclaimed, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor, 
Or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again? For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Yes, sir. I get excited just reading it. Friends, I went years of my life despising the Lord's mercies and forbearance. He changed me, though. Praise his name. He saved me. I now know that a life of willful ignorance against his holiness and majesty is just wickedness piled upon wickedness. I implore you today, listening believer, to embrace and confess him today. If this message finds a place in your heart, this means that it is a heart to which he has laid claim, and you'll never find joy until you repent and submit joyfully. Confess the Savior Jesus Christ and rest in his eternal power. And when you can, come visit us at Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church or Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church. And until I'm blessed to speak to you again on such noble and happy subjects, may the Lord's richest blessings be yours. If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist Church in your community. To find a Primitive Baptist Church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find further contact information, you can visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com. You can also find our program on iTunes under podcast entitled The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Radio Broadcast. If you listen and enjoy our program, we would love to hear from you. You may contact us by email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road, on Highway 15 just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. We would love for you to come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We invite you to tune in again next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. Wonderful the matchless grace of Jesus.